How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Locked on Bucks presented by BrewHoop.com. Frank Madden here uh, with a solo weekend edition of Locked On Box, although I will not be completely by myself. But uh, I did talk to Danny LaRue uh, in a crossover podcast. Danny, uh, many of you might know him from the Dunked On podcast, from his work at the Sporting News. He's written at Real GM. He's done Real GM Radio. Uh, Now he's the host of Locked On Warriors. He also writes at The Athletic NorCal. He's based in Northern California and uh, basically is a Warriors beat writer, among many other things. So Danny has great perspective on the Warriors and the NBA in general. And we decided to get together and talk about the Warriors 124-121 win over the Bucks on Saturday night, a game that obviously uh, people had hopes that the Bucks could could put out an effort like we saw, I think, certainly from an energy and effort standpoint, not much to complain about. Uh, on the other hand, Bucks, despite being down uh, by double digits in the fourth quarter, end up coming back and had multiple chances to tie and, you know, perhaps even win this game. But uh, after getting within two points at the 232 mark of the fourth quarter, they come up empty time and again. Um, had a couple maybe questionable calls go their way. Giannis rattles out a dunk. Might have gotten a little bit of a push from Clay Thompson on that play. Mirza Toledovic misses a wide open three. So lots of opportunities to feel like the Bucks may have uh, been able to steal this game. Ultimately, they don't. But, you know, by the same token, Giannis 30 points. Jabari 28 points. Both of those guys did a lot of things on the court tonight that you can feel good about. Uh, so certainly some silver linings as the Bucks drop to five and seven. Also some major questions. Uh, I feel like the dominant uh, thing in my mentions after every Bucks game lately, especially when they lose, is uh, what's going on with Jason Kidd's rotations. Greg Monroe didn't play at all tonight. Uh, we mentioned it with Danny. Didn't get into too much detail, but certainly Greg Monroe uh, was basically not in the two bigs that Jason Kidd wanted to play tonight. Jason Kidd suggesting after the last game that he was only going to play two centers every night moving forward. And interestingly, Greg Monroe, who has been easily his most productive center, um, maybe not a great matchup on paper defensively against a team like the Warriors, although Greg Monroe played terrifically down the stretch a year ago against the Warriors when the Bucks won. Uh, but Greg Monroe did not play tonight until two minutes left in the first half when John Henson and Miles Plumlee get into foul trouble. Monroe comes in just for a token two-minute appearance, although, to be honest, they could have gone small just as easily and without a center. Um, and interestingly, in the fourth quarter, they do go small with Mirza Toledovic, Giannis, Jabari, um, and I forget the, which guards it was, but basically, you know, again, this sort of point center Giannis lineup or Toledovic was guarding the center at some points too, but obviously with the Warriors, uh, we know how much they like to go small. So, Fun to see that lineup get the Bucks back into the game. We'll be interested to see if we see more of that. Um, we'll be very interested to see if we see more of Greg Monroe. Um, Eric Name, who's at the game right now, uh, is finishing up some post-game stuff. Eric uh, was tweeting out from the locker room that Greg Monroe sort of repeatedly said, go ask Jason Kidd when asked why he wasn't playing. And uh, not surprisingly, Jason Kidd maybe not shedding that much light on the situation either, why Greg Monroe went from being the Bucks' best big man uh, to a guy who's not playing anymore. So 
we'll see what the fallout of that is uh, with the Magic coming up on Monday. Another chance for maybe Greg Monroe to play or maybe Greg Monroe to be completely out of the rotation again. Uh, difficult to say, although to be honest, I think the bigger error tonight from Jason Kidd was probably not playing Mirza Toledovic earlier. Um, you know, again, maybe lacking the mobility on defense of a guy like Michael Beasley, but you would think he's a guy that you'd want to get on the court to stretch the floor and provide more room for Giannis and Jabari to operate offensively. Instead, he doesn't come in until the Bucks are down double digits. And even though he had only won three, uh, I think he acquitted himself well. And obviously the Bucs uh, were able to find a spark with him in that small lineup. So we'll interesting to see if we see more of that moving forward. I hope so. Although, let's be honest, if you're going to play that small lineup, then the Bucks' uh, mass of, of big men and the $40-plus million they owe Monroe, Plumlee, and, to, and uh, Henson only becomes uh, more painful to look at. So I predict it will be an interesting week. Uh, in in Bucks Nation, and it will be very interesting to see uh, what happens with Greg Monroe. But for now, I'll uh, kick it over to the conversation I had with Danny about the game tonight. Hopefully, you enjoyed it despite the loss, and hopefully, the Bucks take something from this game. Hopefully, this is a game that they can use uh, and maybe take some momentum, some energy from uh, into the game on Monday. Although I feel like that's been a famous last words type situation, the Bucks frequently bringing it for good teams and then playing down to the competition when they play lesser team. So anyway, here's a conversation with Danny and I'm sure Eric and I will talk a lot more about all these topics when we come back to you on Monday. Well, that was surprisingly fun. <laughs> I, uh, the first half felt, felt very fun. And, uh, from a Bucks perspective, I, uh, as soon as those three started to fall and the Warriors started to fizz that ball around, uh, my my heart got uh, began to sink a little bit, but uh, credit to the Bucks, they they actually came back in the fourth quarter with that small lineup, and um, I mean you couldn't have asked for more chances probably at the end, and they just they just couldn't get anything to go down. Literally with Giannis missing a dunk of all things included in that, so um, I'm sure they'll be frustrated with it, but you know on the whole, obviously a, a pretty damn good effort from a team that's been struggling of late. Yeah, it, it feels like kind of one of those outcomes where it's a growing experience for the Bucks, and moral victories are terrible in a lot of ways you know because because <laughs> especially a moral victory like this where the bucks absolutely could have won the game like you know I, I don't think that was the most likely outcome when the warriors were up in the third quarter the way they were but once you got to Giannis having a dunk when they were down two and and then the next possession to missing a three down two those sorts of things those sorts of things kind of do do stick with you but it is strangely amusing how the Bucks the last couple of years have consistently played the Warriors very, very well. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, you know, the, this this spring watching the playoffs and I kept keeping track of whether any other team was going to outscore the Warriors in aggregate head to head last last uh, season. And I think there was at one point the the Thunder actually were outscoring them in the playoffs, you know, including the playoffs in regular season. Um, but then that obviously kind of went went the other direction in the end. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I was looking this up that uh, I think the Bucks were the only team to outscore the Warriors head to head last year, which, you know, is strange. And, you know, obviously two games is probably why, because they had the one game where they won by 13 and then they kept it pretty close for leading in the fourth quarter at Oracle. Um, and I, I actually rewatched part of those games because I was kind of thinking, like, were they just switching a ton? Um, but they didn't really switch that much. And as much as the Bucks have, you know, had a lot of length, especially when Michael Carter Williams was around, um, you know, they didn't like play pick and rolls like dramatically different from, you know, what they would normally do or, you know, it wasn't like 
everything was a switch or something like that. So uh, it is interesting that they've played them really well um, the last couple of years. And I think interesting matchup between these teams now because the Bucks are a team that score a ton in the paint. They obviously like to to get to the basket. They're still not a three point shooting team. They shoot them more than they did last year, which was, you know, mockably low a low number of three-point attempts and still still trying to to get that number up this year but um you know with the warriors not really having much rim protection now uh and on the flip side with the bucks being a team that swarms swarms and probably overhelps all over the place uh they're going to give up tons of threes and obviously that plays into the warriors hands so it was interesting i think especially once the warriors start to shoot threes that um that it didn't kind of completely get away from the Bucks. So hat tip to the young team. Maybe the Warriors got a little bored, but, um, you know, that's that's hopefully for them it's a growing experience. And, and we'll see. They have Orlando coming in uh, starting next week. Uh, we'll see how they play in that game, if they can kind of maintain some of this energy and momentum. One of the most surprising parts of this game, because I saw a lot of what you saw kind of in the in the lead up to this, just in terms of I, I watch the Bucks a lot. I enjoy watching them. And I expected this to be a game where both teams did well in the interior, you know, in the, in the restricted area in the paint. Both teams shot below 20% in the paint non-restricted area, and both teams shot below like 62% in the restricted area. And it's true. I, I was just floored by that. Jen, uh, some of it was just missing chippies that they should have made. Like there was that possession where Zaza Pachulia had like three offensive rebounds off his own misses. And so those do pile up. But I, I didn't expect that angle on it. But the Bucks were, at, at moments in this game, the Bucks were hitting everything. And then at the end, the Warriors were missing some shots and also the Bucks were contesting like that last five minutes the Warriors weren't getting good looks yeah I, I think the the Bucks do deserve some credit defensively for for what they're able to do I, I you know it's interesting you you tweeted why haven't we seen Toledovich before the fourth quarter and kind of this is just a classic Jason Jason Kidd complaint you know he just sort of his his low rotations like he'll just not go with the guy for a long time and they'll throw him in randomly and you know we saw Greg Monroe uh, basically not at all the last three games, um, which is a whole nother story. And I have no idea what might be going on between them. But Jason Kidd is trying to play now two centers and pretty fascinating that the most productive center he has, um, you know, really hasn't played at all the last three games. Uh, maybe not a great matchup tonight against a Warrior team. But, you know, Greg Monroe also played really well uh, in this fixture last year in Milwaukee when the Bucks won. So uh, it's definitely an interesting combination. Uh, and the Bucks, I think, you know, defensively, they've been so up and down the past couple of years. They were great uh, with Zaza, of all guys, uh, anchoring the middle two years ago. Uh, completely fell off a cliff last year, playing basically the same scheme, and teams kind of figured them out. And without Dudley and, and Zaza, they kind of completely went in the tank last year. Uh, so interesting that they've been better again this year. They came into this game 10th. Um, and, you know, that's going <laughs> to go down now that they got lit up for 124. But uh, at least they were able to make the Warriors work at times. Um, but obviously, you know, you look at the Warriors hitting 14 out of 38 threes. Uh, I, I guess you can live with that <laughs> considering you were still close. But uh, obviously uh, they they had to really kind of bear down and, and finally make some shots there in the fourth quarter to, to give themselves a chance. And um, they, they at least had one for they had multiple chances down the stretch. The part that was completely dumbfounding to me about kids' rotations was Michael Beasley playing 15 minutes during those first three quarters because Beasley is fine. You know, he at this point, he kind of he is what he is. But Toledovich does many of the things Michael Beasley does better than Michael Beasley, and their negatives are basically the same. And so I'm just sitting there going, well, what are you doing? And then Toledovich comes in and plays well. And so it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I was right there. And it's frustrating because the Bucks as well as Giannis and Jabari can carry them, they need help. 
Like, this isn't a team where where those guys can just, you know, win them half their games or something like that. They're good, but they're not at that level yet. And so you need the right supporting cast. And Toledovich isn't perfect. You know, they have all these other issues with it, but he helps. And when you're trying a lot of throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and nothing works, try Toledovich before you try Michael Beasley. Yeah, I mean, Beasley uh, has had some some good nights uh, recently, and he obviously has more mobility than Toledovich in terms of, of on defense. You know, he can he can switch better. Um, you know, he's not going to be quite as big of a problem in, in that sense. Uh, but, you know, by the same token, you know, on a night like tonight where the Bucks couldn't get a defensive rebound for the life of them, you know, going small did it really change that much in terms of not being able to get defensive rebounds probably not i mean they still had issues down the stretch uh they had a couple questionable calls go go against them uh in terms of out of bounds plays where um i think toledovich was might have been directly involved in both of them where he wasn't able to get the ball and um the warriors uh got the call uh on on the team rebound i know our friend nate duncan loves the phrase team rebound so um got to throw that out there but um but yeah it was interesting uh that it you know, kid would wait until the fourth to dust off Toledovich, a guy that is a guy who's played for him before. You know, he's quote unquote a kid guy. Uh, but Toledovich's minutes have been all over the place over the last couple of weeks. And so it's just kind of hard to figure out what exactly kid's trying to do, why, you know, Beasley's played for the most part. He's been the first guy off the bench over Toledovich, which is especially odd when you look at Jabari and Giannis and the value of putting floor spacers around them. I mean, even if Toledovich tonight, he goes one for five, but just the pressure he puts on the defense, you have to pick him up, you know, 30 feet from the hoop, basically. Uh, it's just a, a different dim- dimension that he adds to their offense. And obviously with Giannis and Jabari, especially Giannis not being comfortable shooting the ball, um, which we shot down the stretch, you know, passing up chances to shoot threes right when, you know, you, they probably should have been shooting threes. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a dimension to their to their rotation that you would think kid would go to more often. And um, who knows what what exactly Jason Kidd's thinking on that. Uh, I hope that, you know, he's had a couple games now this week where he's actually gone to that small lineup for the first time this season. I hope we see it more often. And, you know, Bucks are own three this week. But but maybe that will be a, a positive to come from this. It could be. And. One thing that was intriguing going into the game, and actually I would say got more interesting during it, was both teams feature very talented forwards, Draymond and Durant for the Warriors and Giannis and Jabari. And figuring out who was going to guard who on both ends of the floor was something that I was intrigued by. And it did bounce around over the course of the game. And I thought Giannis down the stretch ended up making a big difference. Yeah, I think that the one play he made that you know really kept them in it, uh, where he basically had to defend two guys, um, and I forget was it was it Iguodala who who kind of came came free um, into the lane and uh, you know had had Draymond basically Giannis sort of had to hedge up towards him just a little bit to to stop him from getting a layup and and through the lob pass. Draymond catches it and you think he's just going to lay it up for for, you know, the easy bucket. But Giannis kind of comes back out of nowhere and blocks the shot. And um, obviously, you know, being able to make plays like that is something that very few guys in this league can do. And Giannis still certainly has his flaws as a defender. Um, You know, he can't always keep guys, especially smaller guys in front of him that well. Uh, but certainly he can make plays that, you know, out of his area and, and just the kinds of athletic plays that just few guys can make. So um, having a guy like that on the court certainly is is a nice trump card. And, um, you know, even Toledovich, I, I got really worried when uh, in the on the last possession with Durant, uh, when Durant had him basically, you know, sized up and uh, Toledovich was basically hedging him to go middle, which I was like, whoa, you're you're begging Kevin Durant to go middle on you. Is that really what we want to do? But Durant ends up pulling up and um, misses a shot and the Bucks get a rebound and, and had a chance to uh, to tie the game at least. 
And he took that shot a little bit early. Like, I mean, I understand that you want to take the shot in that matchup, but it's like, okay, you, you could spend a couple seconds trying to get a foul or trying to get something else. But, you know, as you could say, it worked out in the end. But yeah, the idea of Giannis on Draymond, like Draymond's role in the Warriors offense changes around a lot. Like sometimes he's just kind of a a filler piece and is making more connecting passes like he had that nice lob to JaVel McGee and then at other points they are actually running some Curry Draymond pick and roll and so at those moments I thought it was best to have Giannis on him just because it's more versatile and that's more in, in Giannis's wheelhouse than Jabari's and Durant is he's a guy that's hard to keep up with but he's also he doesn't always push in half court sets in the same way and so you know throwing Jabari on him for some stretches I think that can work it's imperfect it's always going to be imperfect that's the nature of having good talent but I thought those guys competed I thought all four of them for the most part did and you know there was that weird thing when Jabari was going for the play and and hit Durant's knee it ended up not being a big deal but the whole the whole game was just kind of those those sorts of dynamics and then also I mean the Warriors having a lot of open shots and then the their fortunes basically swinging ba- based on whether they went in or out yeah the interesting part about Jabari is that you know I mean it's no secret defense is his big Achilles heel and uh the interesting thing with him and this is something they started doing a year ago actually probably around like December time frame, um, they started putting him a lot of times on opposing wing scorers. So for instance, I think I remember, you know, against the Pacers, you saw Jabari defending Paul George one-on-one more. And of course, you know, you might say, well, why would you put, you know, the weaker defender on a guy like Paul George? But Jabari's, <laughs> Jabari's lack of defensive instincts probably show up most when he's off the ball. And when he's engaging, he's just kind of defending, you know, in space. He's he's not that bad. Um, you know, I mean, he's obviously an athletic guy. He's a quick guy. He's strong. So you can't just get that easily bullied. Uh, so you can try different things in the Bucks. you know, all season, really going back to last year, have, you know, regularly kind of switched things up and, and had him defending different guys. It isn't just as simple as putting Giannis on um, the best opposing uh, player. So um, I think that probably works to keep Jabari a, a bit more engaged. And um, I think he's been better defensively this year, but, you know, the bar was so low coming into it that um, that it probably wasn't, uh, you know, I don't know how much that's saying, but <laughs> certainly this is certainly on a night like tonight. Um, you know, the main thing with Jabari is, you know, can he get his offense going? And, and obviously he did um, probably more from mid range than, you know, only took a couple threes, but um, started getting going from kind of mid range and then got going attacking the basket as well which obviously for for a young player good to see him being able to combine those things and also making some plays with five assists so um you know it was interesting to see Giannis and Jabari both kind of rise to the challenge against uh you know a guy like Durant who obviously uh, always been a lot of talk that Durant was you know one of Giannis's idols um and so good to see both those guys kind of elevating their game and um you know trying to play well <laughs> against a, a guy who obviously is uh, is still on a on a different plane you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've seen, Giannis, he does an all right job on wing defenders. It's one of those things where it's more about potential than what he's actually done. But I really like him as a kind of as a freelancing shot blocker more. And that actually lines up more with the four. You know, the idea yeah. of being being more that guy who can be a weak side helper and things like that. And if Jabari can handle it, you know, it, it, the idea that you were kind of getting at is is that, you know, you're trying to look at your best expected value, you know, so which guy there and, and Jabari does not seem like the greatest help defender in the world, but for a couple different reasons. And so if, if that's the way that it works, that's the way it works. And that's also why having Chris Middleton would, would help so much, because then you could even slide Jabari to some twos, because a lot of teams play twos that just aren't that good. So you can just kind of sit in there and play Middleton on the better dude. But 
it was also weird in this game that like Durant was magnificent in the first half, 25 points was just absolutely killing it. And then largely kind of, I think due to things out of his control, it just, it just didn't really materialize in particularly in the third quarter. Yeah. I think in the second quarter in particular, you know, I just had visions of, of what we talked about so much a year ago when, you know, those, the, the Curry green pick and rolls, you know, it was always the idea of pick your poison, right? Do you want to try to, you know, who are you trying to stop? And you're always going to have Harrison Barnes sitting in the corner wide open for a three. Well, this year, it's Kevin Durant sitting wide open in the corner for a three. And he was tremendous. I think he hit five out of his first six threes. Um, you know, got the, you know, the Bucks were winning uh, through, a, you know, a lot of sort of the, uh, up into the end of the first quarter through the second quarter. The Bucks had a little bit of an advantage there for a while. And then, um, you know, Durant in particular just started going off from three and, um, you know, it's always funny to me when people compare Giannis and, and Durant, which has been around since Giannis was drafted, you know, and obviously it's a physical thing. Uh, Steve Kerr talked about that, but it, it's so crazy when you look at a guy with Durant's physical skills and then what he can do with the ball and, and his ability to shoot. I mean, it's unbelievable. His efficiency is obviously off the charts this year. So, uh, it is interesting. You know, look at his final line, five of eight from three. So as you said, the game kind of went away from him, but Clay Thompson, a guy that that did step up big time in the third quarter. And uh, a lot of that seemed to maybe I'm just in mentally kind of uh, over annexing on on, you know, Jason Terry saying that Clay Thompson wasn't a, a James Harden caliber player. It seemed like Clay Thompson was going at Jason Terry whenever he was in the game. And you can ask, why is Jason Terry playing, you know, 19 minutes on a game in a game like this to begin with? But uh, it seemed like Clay Thompson had a little bit of extra motivation. And uh, he definitely came to play in that third quarter when the Warriors were building that lead. This is certainly a team that uses extra motivation when it presents itself, and that that could be a factor. But for Clay, the biggest thing in this was just that he was getting wide open looks, and they just started going in. You know, I, it, he is an, an interesting player that, and this is true of a lot of guys, but I think it goes to a different degree with him. Where once he starts making shots, then he starts taking different stuff. So he he started out just making basically open threes, and then he started getting more aggressive and taking stuff. And some of those actually ended up being on Jason Terry. So. They got kind of got those opportunities, and yeah, it was shocking to see Kerr or to see Kid go with the the Delavadova Terry backcourt together. Like I understand playing them separately, not a problem at all. But playing them together was I was just sitting there going, "This doesn't feel like it's going to work." And you know, it had some good stretches, but overall, I, I think it did struggle. Yeah, I mean, Jason Terry is. I mean, this was probably his his best performance of the season. Hit three out of four uh, from deep, scored nine points. Uh, did his little jet flying celebration at least twice, which uh, is a season high as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's definitely kind of one of those things, especially with his lack of size against a guy like Clay, who can just shoot over top of a lot of normal size shooting guards, and then with Jet being basically you know a former point guard who's maybe a, has a decent size for a point guard. Uh, at six three, but certainly at shooting guard, uh, you know his lack of length is is going to hurt him. Yeah, attack on top of the fact that he's thirty nine, trying to run around screen. So, um, so that was definitely kind of a stretch. Uh, the Bucks did send Rashad Vaughn down to the D League uh, earlier today, which was interesting because Rashad Vaughn's been way better than he was last year when he was basically unplayably bad. Um, so it was interesting that they they sent him down, and interesting that that he hasn't played that much over the past week or so. Um, but that kind of meant, you know, Jason Terry is, is basically, if you look at it as a four man guard rotation, um, you know, Delhi has Brogdon backing him up and Snell has Jason Terry backing him up. So, It'll be interesting to see if they can maybe minimize Terry's minutes a 
little bit more. I mean, I'd rather see Tony Snell probably get into the low 30s rather than see Jason Terry play close to 20 minutes. Um, but we'll see how that works. I mean, the Bucks also have gone, especially in the preseason with before Snell came uh, in the trade, they tried to play actually really big with Giannis and Jabari at the 2-3 and Toledovich playing the 4. Um, but we haven't really seen that during the regular season much. So it'll be interesting to see if Terry can kind of hold up because obviously at his age, um, it's a challenge and doubly so when you're going against a Warrior team. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Steph Curry, one of 11 from three tonight, um, you know, ended up with 20 points, but on 21 shots, uh, five rebounds, five assists, three turnovers. You know, it seemed like the Bucks, you know, Delvadova, Brogdon, that they did, generally did a, a, a good job of kind of keeping, you know, staying attached to him, coming around screens. Um, for all the offensive rebounds that the Warriors picked up, it didn't seem like too many of them came to Curry for wide open threes. Didn't seem like he got many looks in transition uh, that were open. Obviously, those are, are big parts of his game when he can, you know, find find places, uh, find space when when a defense isn't set. Um, I mean, how would you compare the way the Bucks played him tonight versus other nights? Because you know, to be honest, I'm used to seeing Steph Curry make tons and tons of difficult shots. So even when you defend him well, he can completely go off. Um, how much of Tonight, would you ascribe to the Bucks actually playing good defense versus Steph maybe just not having his game on? It's definitely both parts of it because Curry had, I would say, overall, he had harder looks tonight than usual, but he also makes harder looks. You know, it's, it's not something where right. that, that was necessarily preventing it. He has had a couple of shaky nights over the last couple of weeks. You know, the one against the Lakers is the most is the most known one because that's what broke his three point streak. But I think there was another game where he was like two for eight or something like that. And so he missed a lot of them that he normally makes and most other people miss. Like that was certainly a part of tonight. But there were, as you noted, fewer of those just wide open, you know, what clean ones. And the point you brought up about offensive rebounds is something that I've been interested in particularly this year is that it feels like a higher proportion of those go to clay and i think that might just be happenstance and also where they're located on the floor because generally clay is more like at the break and sometimes that those are the types of guys that can leak out and so maybe it's that his guy leaks out more than steph because steph's already kind of in the wrong in a different place but it absolutely does happen and the other part tonight and i don't really know how to attribute this but he didn't look as good as he usually does in the lane, like he's actually improved a lot at that. I wrote about uh, I wrote about it for a recap of yesterday's game about how he's shooting. I think it was like seventy two percent at the rim this year, and he's he struggled a little bit there tonight. Some of that is though that the Bucks bigs are they're pretty good at contesting, and they were competing the whole night. Yeah, and certainly uh, defensively, I mean, it, it's obviously interesting <laughs> to say the least that Greg Monroe is is not playing at all. Uh, Clearly on paper, you know, defensively against a team like the Warriors, uh, Greg Monroe is a guy that that obviously you worry about a lot more than someone like Plumlee or even Henson, just because that lack of mobility can can obviously probably be exposed more, especially if, you know, they try to throw him into pick and rolls. Um, I think one one thing with Curry, you know, the Bucks defense is sort of geared towards taking away your your first action and your first option um, because of all the help they tend to send to the ball. So in that sense, I guess maybe it's not as surprising that Steph being, you know, the guy who's got the ball most of the time, um, not that he doesn't, you know, set screens and do kind of funky stuff off the ball as well that they try to get him freed up with. But um, probably makes some sense, you know, as you're saying that that the Bucks would be able to, to contain him maybe or at least make his life harder than a lot of other teams might um, because of that focus. But obviously the flip side is other guys getting open looks and you know clearly clay and, and durant benefited from that um 
interesting. Uh, I think the one thing, you know, about those Bucks big guys, you know, I, I tweeted it during the game, um, the defensive rebounding, we, we've touched on already, but, you know, 18 Warrior offensive rebounds. Uh, the bench, I was just looking at it, but Warriors bench had 11 uh, offensive rebounds combined, um, plus Zaza grabbing six uh, from the starters. But Warrior bench, 11 offensive rebounds. Uh, the Bucks bench had... 10 total defensive rebounds and it looks like the minutes were pretty close between those two bench units. So, um, you know, I think if you look back at this game, uh, I don't think I have the second chance points in front of me right now, but, uh, it would certainly be interesting to see those. Cause obviously the bucks are, are not a team that can afford to give the warriors reload after reload. Uh, and especially, you know, miles Plumley five offensive rebounds. I mean, he was very active offensively, um, and he's certainly a mobile guy defensively, but um, in 15 minutes, zero defensive rebounds, five offensive rebounds. Uh, that's certainly not what you're looking for. And, you know, Beasley, one defensive rebound. Monroe didn't get a defensive rebound in his couple minutes. Uh, Jabari, only two defensive rebounds. So um, that was definitely an area where the Bucks have been much improved this year. Uh, but certainly tonight it was a, a huge Achilles heel. I, mean, I think, um, you know, their let's see their defensive rebound percentage was 63%, right? Which, um, you know, you give a team like the Warriors that many chances. Yeah. It's just going to be really difficult. The second chance points, it ended up being 22 to 16 for the Warriors. So not as okay. big, but that's also because the Warriors missed a lot of those. They were seven yep. of 18 on shots. And I think at least half of those misses were from three by guys who can actually shoot them. So, you know, there is some good fortune that, but it's also just there's some good fortune for the Bucks that it wasn't worse. But but you're right, like that was a big pivot point in this game. And something that because the Warriors have had some bad defensive rebounding games this year is the idea of first shot defense versus second shot defense and the Bucks did it broadly speaking did a good job on first shot defense in this game it just wasn't it just wasn't enough to carry the day because they had these stretches and also the Warriors had some nice bits in transition where you can't even really play good first shot defense yeah and you know and I'm, I'm still having visions of, of Giannis rattling out that dunk <laughs> late, late yeah, in the game that was shocking um, yeah, I mean that. Obviously, that that's you know you run that play a hundred times. That might happen once or twice. Um, but in, interesting, you know. Obviously, the Warriors are a team that that used the three point shot so well in transition uh, tonight. Though Bucks plus eight in transition, nineteen to eleven, um, based on the stats I have right here. Uh, so clearly, that kind of you know certainly the Bucks will look back for for all the issues they had on the defensive boards. Um, you know, they only forced 12 warrior turnovers. Both teams really didn't turn it over much bucks at 13. Uh, you know, normally the bucks defense, uh, at least before this year, this year, they haven't been as good at that interestingly. Um, but you know, the defense is really predicated on forcing turnovers. They didn't do that tonight, but they still managed to get, um, that 1911 edge and fast break, which, you know, if you don't defensive rebound and you don't force turnovers, you'd think that would be really difficult to get fast break points, but, um, they managed to do that tonight. And then they still had the plus 12 edge in the paint, which obviously, uh, you know, if you're playing the warriors and the damage they do from the three-point arc obviously um that's an area that you need to be competitive in in order to have a chance so um so yeah interesting game for the bucks um i think you know it's one of those things uh, i think the more the bigger question for them is what do they do after this um you know obviously you don't expect to beat a team like the warriors but um they've now dropped to to five and seven and uh you know 14 of their first 21 home game or games are at home so they have a schedule that basically demands that they start pretty well if they're going to have any chance of being in that eastern playoff conversation i don't think either of us saw them being in that conversation 
at the beginning of the season, but um, they've been, you know, somewhat pesky and plucky at times, have had some no-shows as well. Um, but I was going to ask you about the Warriors. I mean, uh, obviously 10-2, and two, you know, nobody's going to be overwhelmed based on our exceedingly high standards of the Warriors. But, uh, you know, it seems like defense has been sort of the one big challenge for this team coming into this year. They're middle of the pack coming in. Or, sorry, sorry, coming to this game, middle of the pack, uh, coming into tonight in defensive rating, obviously giving up 121 points to the Bucks isn't great. Uh, what do you see from this defense? You know, obviously missing the the big guys they had last year is is part of it. But um, do you think that's the big Achilles heel that that might be uh, you know a fatal flaw against a team like the Clippers or or in the finals even the Cavaliers? Probably not. But it depends on how Steve Kerr uses his rotations. You know, like if he plays Asa Pachulia with the starters, then yes. Yeah, that probably will be their fatal flaw. That that will be their Achilles heel. But if he changes the way that big men are used, goes to more small lineups, which is what I expect, though it's not definite considering what happened, particularly in game seven of the finals, like after Boca got hurt, I think that's the reason that I have pause on the idea of, oh, well, they're going to go to the best lineups is the part of the finals after Boca got hurt. But when you kind of parse the numbers with the Warriors, which is always dangerous when you're already dealing with the small sample size. I mean, tonight was their 13th game. Like this is not, even if you're starting to split 13 games into smaller pieces, you're getting a little bit narrow, but they've done a pretty good job defending and they've done a very good job with the Draymond at center lineups. And that's really the centerpiece of their playoff defense. However, there are legitimate concerns about their defensive rebounding, which was more of a Bucks problem tonight than a Warriors problem. But if we're talking about what that shift can do, it's going to require a more concerted effort by them on that end, as long as other teams actually put an effort on offensive rebounding. And one of the key tenets for the teams like the like the Cavs with Tristan, as long as he's on the floor, is that the, a lot of the best teams have good offensive rebounders. So that is something they're going to have to consider. And they're, you know, whenever a team... And the Warriors have done this. I would say this happened in the fourth quarter today. It definitely happened in the fourth quarter against the Celtics and in more than a few other games. Their defensive intensity can wane at very strange moments. And while you don't expect that to happen later on, the Warriors have put out a few clunkers in playoff games recently. I think it was game one of the Western Conference Finals against the Thunder. They played a shaky game. They won a couple of those. They had played a bad game against the Pelicans the year before. So if they have one or two of those in a series, then that's enough to swing it too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, it strikes me last year in the playoffs. I mean, we kind of forget about it now because of the way the playoffs ended last year. But um, and and not, this isn't exclusive to the Warriors. But uh, it, it kind of was remarkable to me how many times elite teams playing other elite teams just sort of had clunker games where they, you know, I don't want to say they didn't show up, but um, but they weren't competitive. And, uh, you know, I think Steve Kurt has, has kind of talked about that, you know, how how the Warriors have, have had some some uh, maybe underwhelming performances early in playoff series. Um, but obviously, uh, a, you know, regular season time, you know, they're having to every night play teams that are trying to knock them off. You know, I think you saw that from the crowd tonight. This was a sellout, the first sellout of the season for the Bucks. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of Warriors fans in the crowd as well. But certainly, I think that also kind of brought out the best in in the Bucks crowd in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, the challenge for for the Bucks is and I guess you could argue for fans, too, is bringing that kind of intensity every night. Uh, you know, the Warriors are, are used to that team's kind of taking their best shot at them. Um, but it'll be interesting to see for a young team like the Bucks, uh, can they bring similar efforts that they saw you know, we saw tonight from that for them against uh, a great team like the Warriors uh, against 
lesser teams. You know, this is a team that scored 25 points in the second half against the Heat a couple <laughs> nights ago. That was right. Which is just, I mean, it was just unwatchable. Um, so it's a little difficult to watch them, you know, struggle that mightily against a team like the Heat, which, you know, in, in their defense, I mean, the Heat have had a good defense uh, this season and they have us on white side and, you know, they have some defenders. But uh, watching them score 66 in the first half and 121 uh, in a game versus a team like the Warriors, obviously, you kind of sit back and you wonder, OK, you know, when when was this going to happen uh, on a more regular basis? They had to have a run of three straight games. They averaged around 120 earlier this season. But, um, you know, certainly the, that's been an area where I have major questions whether this team can can really be even an average team offensively without Chris Middleton. Um, and it just feels like a team that, you know, if they're going to be competitive, they probably have to be, you know, at least average or better defensively. And um, obviously coming off last season, that that feels like maybe a, a tall ask with with the likes of Jabari and um, maybe not Greg Monroe if he's going to play this, few, you know, this many minutes going forward. But um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, the identity of this team it remains pretty fluid, I would say. And, and uh, certainly uh, as we see Giannis and Jabari kind of growing and trying to figure out their games, um, you know, I think we'll probably figure out a bit more about how the Bucks will play. Something I wanted to ask you, and this might not be an easy answer, but how would you define or identify success for the Bucks this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, I would say I, I, I wouldn't define it based on on record so much. Um, I, I think it, it begins with Giannis and Jabari and and just those two uh, continuing to to expand their games and evolve. I mean, we've seen Jabari be much more willing to shoot threes and and show uh, an increased ability to hit threes. I mean, he he was one for his last 11 coming in tonight, uh, was one of two tonight. So he's had a, a couple games where he's hit a bunch of threes. And then he's had a lot of games where he he hasn't hit threes. But we've seen him kind of get more aggressive. I mean, he, hit, he took a lot of, of mid-range shots, and, and that was going down for him tonight. That's, I think, a part of his game that, you know, again, you don't want guys shooting tons of mid-rangers. But for him to be, you know, that kind of alpha scorer, guy you can lean on, He's obviously going to have to be able to hit some of those shots as well. And, um, you know, with teams, the way they play him and Giannis often sagging off, I think that's a shot he has to be able to make. So I think seeing those guys expand their games, you know, with Giannis, it's a much bigger question whether he can ever shoot the ball. But by the same token, you know, somehow he's doing all these other things and he's, you know, so physically gifted and, and has ball skills that we don't see in a guy his size. He's able to still score efficiently despite the fact that, you know, nobody respects his jump shot. So um, I think as long as those guys are, are still evolving and expanding their games, I think, you know, if they win 32 games, um, you know, again, that would be zero improvement compared to last year but uh but it's really about them especially with chris middleton being out and obviously we talked about jason terry playing 19 minutes if chris middleton's on this roster jason terry isn't playing at all <laughs> so uh that's obviously a very different team so i think it starts with those two guys and i think you also want to get a better sense of who else on this roster do you even want to you know have roles for going going forward right um, i mean john henson miles plumley Unfortunately, you're never going to move Miles Plumlee's deal at this point. Um, but, you know, some of these guys uh, who, who, who from this group can be, a, you know, a rotation guy a couple of years from now when this team is hopefully much more competitive. Um, and I think then the other thing is really, you know, can Jason Kidd figure out how to get this team to play, especially defense? Um, and, you know, again, they were really good two years ago. They were terrible last year. They've been decent so far this year, uh, this game notwithstanding. And as we said, they don't think they were necessarily bad in this game relative to the competition. So I think those are sort of the the barometer, you know, kind of things I would look at. If if we can't see any improvement in this defense uh, this year from Jason Kidd, then I think it's very fair to start to question well, what you know, what does Jason Kidd do as a coach? What you know, what is his what does he hang his hat on? Um, he has not coached teams 
uh, going back to his time in Brooklyn, like none of his teams have been good offensively. Uh, defensively, it's been all over the board. So what exactly does he do? And uh, unfortunately for the Bucks, if he can't get this team to, you know, at least defend or do something at an average level this year, um, it's fair to kind of start wondering like, OK, well, you know, you just signed him to a three year extension. Uh, how are you going to feel about that if if really this team can't find an identity under kid um, moving forward? So. Yeah, I don't know if there's really a record number that that I'd look for, but um, but I think just seeing um, that improvement, you know, Giannis, I think has a great chance to make the All Star team if the team's record kind of is close enough to the playoff hunt. Um, and Jabari, hopefully, he'll uh, he'll be a guy who's you know giving you 20 points every night and hopefully defensive rebounding a little bit better than we've seen him and hopefully playing a little bit more defense. And if he starts to do that, then then you start to feel better about this team. You're right to not focus on the record. It just doesn't matter that much with this team, especially with Middleton out because it's a non-representative sample. And there is this weird parallel between the Warriors and the Bucks. It's just that it's a different time frame that we're looking at. And the, the idea is identification. So for the Warriors, they have to figure out in the regular season how they're going to use their minutes in the postseason. And for the Bucks, it's more about using the regular season to figure out what they're going to do moving forward. And those are the, it's it's actually kind of a similar process, but it's just a different timeline. And so for the Bucks, as you said, figuring out you know who of Plumlee and Henson and maybe even Monroe if he opts in, they need to they want to keep. How do they want to fit them in? Toledovich is the same thing. I think they need to figure out how they should use him. Is is actually more the thing than whether he's a good fit. And for the Warriors, that's Pachulia West. McCaw, Looney, you know, like all basically everybody outside of their four or five best players, they just need to figure out, are they good? Are they good enough to play in the playoffs? And who do they who do they mesh with? And that's really what the next couple months are for. And it's weird. Like you talked about the idea of kind of like expectations with this Warriors team that I've largely been able to separate record for them, too, because it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters in the sense that I'm sure they want home court. It was a big part of last year. You know, Kerr talked about that all the time once he got back from his from his back stuff, even though it still affected him, was the idea that, that home court was a big driver for them. It's actually probably the biggest reason why they got 73. And this year, I'm sure they would like it. But figuring out those bigger questions is there because they're defining success based on whether they're holding the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the year and nothing else. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a totally different mindset from certainly anything that I felt as you know, I, I grew up in Milwaukee. I've followed this team for 25 years. They've had one 50 win season, one season where they went past the first round of the playoffs in 25 years that I've been watching this team. So I can't relate to that mindset at all, (laughs) at least from a basketball fan standpoint. um, Everything remains very much, you know, sort of in the, the abstract and long term for a team like the Bucks. Um, but obviously I think both teams are, are fascinating for very different reasons and, um, looking forward, I guess we can, uh, we can circle the calendars. March 18th is the reverse fixture. Uh, the Bucks will be in, uh, Oakland for, uh, the second game of this series. Uh, and, uh, I'd say let's do it again, Danny. It'll, it'll be a really late night for me, but, um, hopefully it'll be another uh, interesting game, hopefully as competitive as this one tonight. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see if maybe the Bucks have made some progress on, uh, getting better as, as a general sort of team. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where the Warriors are at that point as they're going to be getting, uh, pretty close to having, uh, hopefully figured some of their questions that, that you outlined as far as the rotation and, um, how they want to go as they, they head into a, a playoffs flare. You know, it's it's championship or bust. Yeah. Considering how the last couple of games have gone, I'm already looking forward to it. 
I am as well. Uh, we don't know why, but the Bucks always seem to give the Warriors a good run. And um, now it's just a matter of the Bucks being able to give, you know, the Orlando Magics and Miami Heat of the league a good run, too. So we'll see. But anyway, thanks. Today. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll circle our calendars for a few months from now. Best of luck until we talk again. Sounds good.